got to get to the bottom of this right away. We've got the monitor on from the Rogers Center, and you're trying to tell me that you can tell. <laughs> we, we got this, like, long view of two dudes at the shortstop position well, you know who fielding grounders. Well, I can tell one of them is because where the ball's going when he throws it and the way he's throwing it. Oh, be it. nice. No, I am, but I mean the way he throws it. You're trying to tell me that you can <laughs> see the other guy's Marcus Simeon because of his quote-unquote pre-pitch setup. Yeah. I'm going with that. Well, I mean, you, you got a pretty good chance That's of it. being right because it's not like there's a ton of how, shortstops. How, how he gets the ball out of his glove, too. Oh, yeah. Right. So these are the things we discuss when we get ready for – you guys think we have these, these, these deep meetings and we go over stuff? No, we discuss – Who do you know would answer a question? You asked me who that was, and I said I knew exactly who that was because of his pre no, that, setup. That's true. How many people would answer that question like that? No, that's Not true. many. That's true. See, it's, you can tell Bo just by – you can tell Bo by the way he throws. And I – there's just – yeah, okay. It's ba- – sorry. Uh, people out there, are, you have no interest in this. I understand. It's Baseball Central with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. 707 is the first pitch tonight as uh, the Blue Jays will wrap up their series against Cleveland. And then they welcome the hated Boston Red Sox into town for a four-game series. Double header on Saturday. The uh, pitching matchups for the series, by the way. This Saturday would Saturday would be a good day. I'm just saying, be a good day to go to the ballpark. Huh. Alec Manoa against Nathan Yavaldi on Friday. Whew. Game one is Robbie Ray against Nick Pavetta. Game two of the doubleheader is Jose Barrios against Tanner Houck. And the series finale is Sunday, August 8th against the Red Sox. Yunjin Ryu against Garrett Richards. The uh, Jays held on for an 8-6 win over Cleveland last night. And uh, we're going to be joined later on in the show, by the way. We're going to talk about the Jays' closing situation. Brad Lidge, uh, co-host of Inside Pitch and Sirius XM, damn good closer in his own right, will join us at 6 o'clock. In a few minutes, Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us. He's a Padres radio broadca- broadcaster, host of Padres POV. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, take a look around Major League Baseball with Tony and focus on on the West Division. Uh, last night, we mentioned the Blue Jays hung on for a win. George Springer hit another leadoff home run. That was really good. Steven Matz looked really good. I mean, if we sat here, now we got Ross Stripling going. We got Ross Stripling going tonight. And we said yesterday that uh, at some point, the Jays are going to have to make a decision between these two for a starting spot, probably. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ding, ding. Round one went to Steven Matz. It's yep. up to, uh, to Ross Stripling. Steven Matz looked awfully good last night. Looked awfully good. Now, it, it's it's Cleveland. I get that. I thought he looked really good. Nice curve a couple of times. It was good. Yeah, for me, he established that early. First inning, the sinker was good. He threw nine sinkers. Four, a 14-pitch first inning, threw nine sinkers, seven of those for strikes. He started that. He, he got the good finish to his pitches. His mechanics was good. The hand coming out of the glove, all that stuff, the release point. And for me, that was the sinker. And in the mm-hmm. second inning, you started seeing, you know, he had a, a couple of different breaking balls, which you rarely see from him because he – Always can't command it. But, yeah. you know, you saw the 001 he would get me over with, still a strike. That's a that's an easy one. I just flip it in there. You know they're not going to swing at it. They see the big hook in it. You give up on it. You don't want to get yourself out. Oh, oh, that kind of thing. And then he had the slider-looking one that he could back foot to a righty. Mm-hmm. He would throw it a little harder, get a little bit better extension to it. Yeah, that might have been one of his best starts he's had. Now, that that is he, the first he, time I, in, I, eight, in eight starts that he has went six innings. So, right. 
that's something to build off of. Well, and, and I will say this: it's entirely look. It's, he he was in the uh, the COVID IL. It's entirely possible this taken. It's taken him a while to get to build up from that. I will say this: I thought very early, very early, he looked really comfortable on that mound. And I know we've we talked about this, and, and I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's going to it's going to be a story. I think we underestimated this, not underestimated not underestimated the significance of the Jays' return to Toronto because clearly it was a big story. But I think we may have underestimated the comfort level these guys are getting in a major league All the lefties. Talk to all the lefties in the rotation. They all say the same thing. Now they can attack with their best stuff. They're not going to nibble. You'll maybe see the walks go down. They're going to give up homers because it's 2021. And a bunch of these guys are looking to get the head out and get the foot down early and not worry about striking out and that kind of thing. But you can see the approaches are a little different confidence it looks like it's there and oh by the way it it can't hurt that they know if they can get through the first inning at home george springer is lurking (laughs) he is coming to the plate in the first inning and what he's been doing is is almost not human yeah you know i'm the guy that said that he needs to hit the ground running and and do it sooner than later it took him what did it take him around 60 at bats here lately, the things he's doing, you saw last night he had the four hits. He got an 0-0 hit on a four-seamer. That's his first at bat. Then he had a 3-2 uh, double off his sl- off a slider. Then he had a uh, maybe the cutter, the third at bat. The, the 3-2 pitch was a, uh, a single, I think, up the middle. And then he had the 0-0 cutter up and in that he hit the right center. And then he had a 3-1 slider. Why I said that was when you're seeing a guy of that caliber hitting multiple pitches in different counts, that would tell you how well his lower half is. It's on time. It's quiet. He's seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand. And then all the talent and the confidence is taken over. We have a lot to get to today, and we will do it. We'll talk a lot about Jordan Romano. That's one of the reasons we want Brad Lidge on. But the Jays lineup for tonight's game, George Springer's leading off in center. Vladdy is hitting second at first base. Marcus Semyon's at second. Bo in the cleanup spot. He's at short. Corey Dickerson back still in the lineup. DHing, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in left field. Randall Grichuk is in right. Santiago Espinal back at third base. Reese McGuire behind the plate. And Ross Stripling on the mound as the Jays take on Tristan McKenzie, a right handed pitcher with an ERA of over six. I, I said to you before we came in here, they faced guys with an ERA over six, an ERA over seven, and I think an ERA yeah, over what, nine, if I'm not What mistaken. scares you about him, though, is he doesn't throw very hard. They're used to seeing hard throwers. Uh, he likes to elevate the four-seamer. That would tell you he's got a little spin rate to that four-seamer. And his curveball and his slider, batters are hitting around, you know, not north of a buck 30. Yep. He's got an idea where he wants to throw it. He, obviously, he'll throw a lot of the sliders to the right-handed batters. He'll throw some lefties, the breaking balls. <clears throat> You just you gotta not chase. That that's the whole thing is early on, and and hopefully George Springer continues to be this George Springer and, and punches first, and then you put a kid on the ropes a little bit, and he starts nibbling, and a pretty good lineup can score a bunch of runs and, and give Ross Stripling a little bit of a breather. That's what you want to do early. The Jays already got a little bit of help today. The Detroit Tigers beating the Boston Red Sox eight to one. That is a final. The Red Sox are. What are they now? Two and a half? Two and a half up on the wild card? Trying to find the standings here. Two and a half up on the wild card, I believe. They are. They will come in, as we said, come into Toronto for four games. Um, Big series. (laughs) 
Well, we're saying obviously. we're saying that a lot, but just continue to do. George Springer in his Zoom after the game was saying that all of these games, every single one of these pitches, when you're standing at the plate, when the guy standing on the mound as your pitcher, he needs to be better with strike one, mm. more efficient, have quality pitches with strike two. All of the things that they haven't been doing consistently, they need to start doing those things down the stretch here and announcing their presence with authority. So Teoscar Hernandez gets the gets the night off, which and we talked about. Charlie has mentioned that he's going to try to find ways to get yeah to get guys nights off. And you know, look, you've got Corey Dickers. See, you do. see what he's about. Great man. point. See what he's about. You know, I'll tell you what. I'd rather let let's see what he's about against the, against Cleveland than against uh, than against Boston. Let's see see what he can contribute here. Mm. Um, it's not like you got a lot of options anyhow. With there the you lefty, go. With the lefty bat, um, yeah, we uh, we do have to talk about Jordan Romano. Um, what'd you make of that last night? And we'll talk about this very quickly before Tony joins us. What'd you make of what you saw to Jordan Romano well, last night? Running, I mean, for, he hit. A, he's still at a hundred. Yeah, for me, for me, the the home run he gave up to Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is a better hitter than Jordan Romano is a pitcher. Sometimes you run into those things. And a guy just outthinks you when you hang a pitch. He backspins it. Uh, he, you know, basically dominated that bat. You could see Jose was walking up. He was laying off the heater. He was looking for the cement mixer, and he got it. And when he get when a good hitter gets it, he doesn't miss it. Uh, the Mercado one two homer that he gave up on the hundred mile an hour. That's a good pitch. So I get, occasionally you got to tip your hat to a to a hitter that's just in in a happy zone right now. You know, mm-hmm. he got his foot down a little early. He was thinking, I think, the elevated something. He was looking for that short little compact swing, but it's the pull side of 100. Well, it's a little bit surprising to me. That's he, yeah, that it's very hard to pull 100 with two strikes. Jordan's given up, Jordan's given up five home runs in his last seven outings. Location, location, location. It will always be about that. If you can go any. When he's throwing 97, 98, 99, 100, if you can locate that middle away, sometimes occasionally down and away, you're going to dominate hitters. They just can't catch up to that mechanically. They just can't be sound enough to get the barrel out in front on major velocity. And when you miss and you miss center cut up and down, you're going to get hurt no matter how hard you throw. The uh, San Diego Padres uh, gave up the late loss to Oakland yesterday. Jays could have used a little bit of help. He's a little bit of help in that game. Uh, five, four extra innings loss in Oakland. The The National League West is, look, it's a, a division we've talked about a great deal on this show. It's a division we'll continue to talk about because it's, it's, uh, it's got three of the more compelling teams in baseball. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. is a Padres radio broadcaster. He's also host of Padres POV, and he joins us on Baseball Central. Tony, thanks for doing this. As always, it's great to uh, talk to you. We, we trust that you're keeping well. Um, before we get to the National League West race, just uh, uh, if you could give us an update on on when we expect an update or when the Padres expect to give an update on, on Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, I believe, first of all, thank you guys for having me once again. Always a pleasure to join you guys. Um, I think it's going to have to probably be tomorrow. We'll, probably, we'll get some type of update. Uh, Fernando didn't travel with the team to Oakland. He stayed back, so He's kind of been, you know, out of sight, out of mind for the time being. But obviously, when you return home, um, like like the Padres do tomorrow, there'll be a lot of questions. I, I hope there will be an update tomorrow, but they haven't said. 
uh, Tony, do you do you think he needs to change his game? What I mean by that is, you know, sometimes you understand that you're one of the most important part of a team and maybe sliding right. head first and, you know, sort of, I don't know, toning back a little bit of what you do just to keep yourself on the field. Do you think he's capable of doing that at, at this age? I don't know if he's capable of doing it at yeah. this age. I, I think I think you, you've said everything how I've at least thought about it really going back to last year, you mm-hmm. know, um, but he's 22 right. and I don't know that he's capable of being able to throttle it back. And it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, especially when you're that young to realize that your best ability is your availability hmm. being out on the field. Yep. And, Right now, I don't know that he's capable of, of doing it. Uh, you know, I, I remember when Bryce Harper came in the league, it was a very similar thing. He was running through walls, running in the yeah. walls, going hard like he does, and he got hurt a few times. So I think that, in in the end, was what got him to throttle back. Maybe it'll be the same for Fernando. You just hope that it's nothing serious. Yeah, it's like, and hearing you guys talk about that, uh, I covered Vladdy seniors first couple of years in the majors same thing man like he would go everything was 110 miles an hour to first base and i can remember felipe saying he lands on the bag harder than a lot of guys (laughs) and a lot of guys swing the bat and he we he said we're we're trying to get him to realize that it's you know hustle's great but there's there's you've got to have a little bit of a put some limits on you there's something to be said about his teammate that checks in almost Every game, you have to make him sit out in Manny Machado. Like, yep. there's something to be said about how he goes about his everyday business that allows him to play that long. And I'm not saying that's that's ever going to be Fernando, but I think over time, um, as his body starts to to talk to him a little bit more, he'll 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 throttle back. But I just don't know if that time is now. Okay, with with him obviously not going to be on the team for a little while anyway. Who needs to step up? Who needs to be the guy? Well, it's got to be Manny. Manny's got to be guy, and he, and he has been that guy. Uh, I mean, it's, I think he's hitting close to 380 over the last month and some change. He, he's If it wasn't for uh, the, the, the month that Votto had, we're probably talking about him as player of the month. But uh, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy that, that has to be kind of put the offense on his back um, and, you know, I, I think when this team is at their best, a guy like Trent Grisham is, 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 is a very important piece for them to also get going. I mean, that gives them length through the lineup. When you're missing Fernando, you're obviously missing a big piece, and you won't be able to fill those shoes with one person. But um, you, can, you do have enough depth on this roster to be able to kind of sustain um, any type of bad play or uh, of having any type of bad play until Fernando gets back. But I think it's, I think it's definitely Manny Machado. So, Tony, I, you know, we've been following the West from a distance here. Every time I look at the standings, I just double-check to make sure that, yes, indeed, San Francisco's in first place. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, you look at their numbers. It, a, a lot of people, I think, are kind of surprised, and then you look at the numbers, you go, okay, well, it kind of makes sense because they're, they're actually having a pretty good year. Are, are they going to see this through to the end, do you think? It's hard to say that they won't, to be honest, at this point. And, and you know, it's, it's one thing to start off a year like that and, and surprise people, but it's another thing to be into August and you're still having the same type of year. I think what happens is 
the guys in the locker room, once they start to believe it's real, uh, that is a very dangerous thing to have. And I think at this point, that's where the Giants are at. They've added pieces to at the deadline that only is going to boost uh, the confidence that that team plays with. And listen, I, I think Gabe Kapler has hit pushed all the right buttons all year long. You know, they play a little bit different style than everybody else. If, if you got a right-handed pitcher starting that game and they bring, you bring in the lefty, they will change out their lineups and bring in righties that can handle the lefty. They match up as early as anybody in the league, and they've, they've, it's worked. The pitching has been terrific really all season long. Gosman, uh, uh and then obviously you, you got a wild card in that, in that rotation. Um, that team, is, that team is, is, is real, I believe. Uh, do you feel comfortable when Blake Snell is on the mound for the Padres? Comfortable? Uh, I don't know that anybody can say that you feel comfortable when when he's on. I think I think you're hopeful every start that yeah. you're going to see the Blake Snell uh, that you know. I think the Padres were traded for. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't. He just hasn't been that guy. His last start is very indicative of the type of season he's had. Last start, he goes five innings. He gives up one run and uh, really escaped traffic all game long. But you look at the line score, and it's, you know, five innings, one run, scattered like five or six hits. Uh, but it's like 107, 108 pitches. And I think when – it's pretty simple for Blake. When he's good, he's commanding the fastball, and everything else kind of works off of that. And he, he has such an explosive fastball, he doesn't have to necessarily be fine with it. But he hasn't been consistent commanding the fastball, and – Whenever it's it's at, whenever that's an issue, walks are up, and he doesn't usually last long in the game. Tony, really good of you to do this, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Great stuff. No problem. You got you guys have a good one. You too. You too. It's Tony Gwynn Jr. He is the Padres radio broadcaster, host of Padres POV. Uh, we appreciate him joining us. Yeah, and, and that's that's uh, that's just such a it's. <clears throat> I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a great race. I mean, the Padres. I don't have to say it's a great race. The Padres are seven back of the Giants right now. They got the second wild card spot in the NL. Um, I, I, again, I, I I freely admit I keep I still I'm probably going to wait for the Giants to collapse until the middle of August. Yeah, you'll, you know? you just look at the Padres. Their their rotation. You got you got a righty. You got Blake Snail. You got another righty. You got another lefty. They've sort of mixed it up, right? You can match up against any team. But Blake Snell, for me, you throw a guy in there that's expected to do well. It's sort of like the Jose Barrios thing. When when he come over, he's not coming over here to fail. He's coming over here to help make a a playoff push. And Mm -hmm. every pitch matters. And every sort of, I I think, player, pitcher, position player attacks it in different ways, right? He's talking about fastball command. Well, that would tell you, is he trying too hard? Is he choking it off? Is he aiming it? All of those things get back to expectations. You're expected every time you go out there to to not only help your team win, but win the game. And that's a lot to ask from a guy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, the, the one thing about the the Rays as well, you know, Alex used to talk about this, and I've mentioned it often. Rays trade a pitcher a lot of times, folks around baseball go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what are we what are we missing here? Now I'm not saying that's the that's the case with Snell. And and look, if Blake Snell hadn't gone through what or didn't have happened to him what happened in the World Series, like people are gonna this is the thing that that I don't think we realized at the time. But that decision, we all know why it was made. 
We all know how it was made. But I think at the time we forgot. We all focused on Kevin Cash, Kevin Cash, Kevin Cash. That decision sort of colors the way people think about Blake Snell, too. You know, there are people out there who go, yeah, it's an analytics-driven decision. I get all that. But you know that there are people that are going to go, okay, that may be the case, but... Like, what is it about Blake Snell want, that would make them do that? You don't that? want to go to the well too many times. You don't want to leave him out there and let him mess it up kind of thing. You know what I Exactly. Yeah, and a little bit of that race, too, thing is, uh, you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it, what got him there was exactly what they were. No, what they did with Blake Snell is you win in doubt, you take him out. Yeah, that's that's uh, that that's absolutely that's absolutely fair. But I, I at the time, again, I admit, the time I didn't sort of think of the impact that would have on Blake Snell. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. If Blake Snell finishes his career, and I know up against the clock, if Blake, if that's the only time Blake Snell gets to the World Series, uh, you're not guaranteed to go to the World Series. You're not, no. Uh, it's something to think about, man. I mean, that would be... Be interesting, too, to see when, when I brought that up to Tony about the... Uh, Tatis Jr. thing about that was a great back, backing point. it off a little bit and seeing if he can do that. He's, he's a kid and he's electric and he does things that most humans can't do. Can you walk up to him and go, "Hey, can you not slide head first yeah. for me?" Could he do that? The I, 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 I always remember. Uh, I went to Dodger Stadium. This is when I was at the Globe and Mail to do a piece on Russ Martin, and Russ Martin used to slide head first into first base as a catcher, like Russ. You know, Russ was he was he was balls out when he yeah, played. He when it. he was young, he was yeah, he, wanted it. he was a you know he was he was athletic. Too. He was after everything. Yeah, and I, I remember talking to Luis Gonzalez about that, and he made the point. And Gonzo was like uh, sort of your classic professional baseball player. He made the point that we're always on him, that you can't do that. And he mm-hmm. made he used the same line. He used the same line I remember, the same line Tony Gwynn Jr. used about how your best ability as a real good player is your availability. And we've talked about that with yeah. Bo and Vladdy. That's it. It is something. It's not just a matter of making sure you don't get hurt, but it's knowing when to yeah. throttle back. A but, bit. Uh, but as a fan, I don't want him to. <laughs> I really don't. And, but, and, and the problem with Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. is he knows that. I know. He knows that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's Baseball Central, 707 First Pitch tonight. We'll take a break. Back with more. As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake Doctor's Orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. I was groomed, you know, to to hit first my whole career. You know, I I understand how to kind of navigate it uh, a little bit. You know, I I know I I may get myself out at times, or you know, not having a bat that, that I want to have. But I don't know. You know, I just kind of you know just understand it's the same thing as any other at bat. I just kind of happen to be hitting first. This is George Springer. I think an interesting answer yesterday about uh, his comfort out of the leadoff spot. Uh, the first pitch of the game last night, George Springer homer. It's his 13th homer of the year, third leadoff homer of the year, 42nd of his career. Oof. That leads all active players. Charlie Blackman is uh, has has 36. He also had a uh, also had a couple of singles and double. It's his first four hit game of the year. Bark, this dude's now. 24 for 64 with 
eight doubles, eight homers, 16 ribbies, eight walks in his last in, in, in his 16 games, batting leadoff this season. It's a 1.321 OPS. Just comfortable. Everything that goes with being a hitter, it matters. You 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 say, does it really matter if he hits four or three hits first? Does to him. You know, it, it does to certain people. Some people it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you mess up routines. Justin Smoke, I used to talk to him a lot when – yeah, I think Gibby would move him around from like the the cleanup spot to the to the two spot, and he would always tell me like, when they were playing home games. He said, "Bark, I always got to run in so fast, and I'm not a fast guy, but I got to put so much effort into getting the, in the dugout as quick as I possibly can to get my batting gloves on, to get find my helmet, to get after to get my bat. In, it's just, it, it just inning, totally yeah. gives him something else to think about <laughs> other than see ball hit ball, and when you add confidence to George Springer with his talent, his bat to ball skills and, and the strong hands that he has and staying in the big part of the field. And it's, 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 it's gotta be nightmares for, for an opposing pitcher and opposing pitching coach, just figuring out how to, you know, get that pitcher hot early. We always talk about that doing, you know, doing something different in the bullpen because you know, who's leading off for that other team. It Mm -hmm. matters. And George is taking that and running with it. And he has to, for me now, can he continue to do this? Probably not. I mean, this is not human to continue to do the numbers that you were mentioning, but he can do the two for four with a homer and three RBI kind of thing, you know, consistently down the stretch to help this team go to the playoffs. And I think that's what we all expect him to do. At least I do. 707 is the first pitch tonight. We'll head over to the Rogers Center in the next hour to be joined by Ben Wagner, who will have the call of the game on Sportsnet 590 to fan. This is Cleveland's lineup for the final game of this four-game series. Bradley Zimmer's leading off in center. Ahmad Rosario's at short. Fran Mil Reyes is the DH. Bobby Bradley's at first. Harold Ramirez is in left. Oscar Mercado, I'd still like to know how you hit that. Oscar Mercado's in right. Yeah. Owen Miller's at second. Austin Hedges is is uh, behind the plate. Ernie Clement is at third base. Tristan McKenzie's on the mound. No Jose Ramirez yeah, in the you. lineup for the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure Ross Stripling is. Uh, appreciate that. We all yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate Look, that. we had a lot of fun uh, going into the trade deadline and at the trade deadline about Jose Ramirez. And we know that, that Cleveland talked to teams about Jose Ramirez. Um, he's under control for two more years after this club options, extremely friendly club options. He is a third baseman. He is a switch hitter. Uh, you know, he is a guy who is familiar to the Blue Jays front office. Ross Atkins was the farm director when Cleveland was trying to figure out how were they going to bring, how, how they were going to bring Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez through at the same time at the mm-hmm. same position. Of course, Mark was there, yada, yada. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. You, you, I, you can take to the bank that if, if, if Cleveland revisits trading Jose Ramirez and keeping in mind that there's, they'd be smart, they'd be well within their rights not to do it. But if they think they can get three players yeah. for Jose Ramirez, a couple of prospects, maybe a major league ready guy, they'll at least entertain mm-hmm. well, he's that tw- He's 28. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it in the offseason. I mean, I'll just tell you, I, I, know, I know the Jays will make a call. I, I know the Jays. It'll be a long call. call, too, I'm sure. It'll be yeah, a long be. call. Yeah. I was thinking about that last night. I'm thinking, all right, just playing around with it. Springer, Ramirez, Vladdy, Bo, Teoscar. Oh, man. I mean, let's assume I you don't, don't re sign Simeon. 
That's just it. He is the he is the perfect player for this well, team. Well, if you if you third, trade, a switch hitting third baseman who's an MVP him, candidate, you don't have to sign Marcus Simeon. You can use no, that on of pitching. Of course not. Of course not. And and then you can have I mean I'll pick somebody at second base. It doesn't you matter. can go out and get, get somebody. Guy. Kevin Biggio plays yeah. second. What did I say? Yeah. I said anyway. that, didn't I? Some just something to think about. <laughs> Look nice. I I, I can yeah. I can I can just say this. I, you wonder if if Vladdy is watching George do those things that he does and wants to go up and do that. What do 20, you mean? 22 years old. You, st- you sit over there. You see George O.O. just, yeah, I'm not saying he's back leg sitting because he's not. He's on time. It's smooth. It's easy. It's short and quick to the ball. He's hitting against the firm front side. If you're Vladdy sitting over there, you're going, I'm having a pretty good year. I'm 22 years old. I'm a pretty good hitter. Maybe I go up there, I grip the bat a little tighter, I expand a little bit more because I'm trying to do that. I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that might be a thing, that if you bring in a guy like a Jose Ramirez, that you could – he's not going to do that. He's an older guy. He's 28 years old. He's been there done it before. He ain't going to try and do what the guy in front of him is doing is my point. We've seen him for three games now, and we've seen a lot of him because we both both like Jose Ramirez and we both pay particular attention. Talk to me about Jose Ramirez as a hitter, as a switch hitter. Like, what is it about him that may, I'm going to ask you, what makes him so good? What is it about Jose Ramirez that has allowed him to be as good as he has been for as long as he's been? Okay, well, you look at the last at bat he had against uh, Jordan Romano. He was not he didn't want any part of the, the the fastball until he got to two strikes. He wanted no part of it. He was sitting on the cement mixer. He's going to sell out. That's selling out. That's a veteran guy that knows that a guy slider, yeah. he, he throws across his body. It's super hard. If he elevates it, you being lefty, he got a little uppercut in his swing, not a ton. You know, because of where he starts his barrel from, and and he can get it in the slot a little earlier and level it out and stay within and and have the big finish that he has with the two hand thing. You know, he can do it both sides of the plate. He can hit velocity. Uh, he can hit breaking balls from both sides of the plate. It's one of those things where how do you pitch to him? How do you consistently get him out when he's smart? He can hit velocity. He can lay off a strike to ball that's spinning. And I think the fact that he's a little on the smallish side height-wise helps hit, him, doesn't he it? He can hit in the middle of the order. When you can do all of those things yeah. that he can do, those things don't come around every day when you can do it from both sides of the plate, right? You're not missing much if you turn him around. Mm-hmm. Like if you're late in the game and all of a sudden you are you bring in a lefty and he has to flip it around to the right side, it don't, it's not like it, uh, it phases him. Yeah, he he just starts thinking a different part of the field. Maybe he lets it, the ball travel a little more. He's thinking right center. It looks to me like left-handed. He likes to pulley a little bit more. Righty, he likes to try and go the other way, thinking right center a little bit more. That's a veteran guy's been there and done it before. That has enough at bats both sides of the plate. That if you're an opposing man, you just can't match up to that. You either you're hoping that you get everybody out around him. So when push comes to shove, maybe you can put up the four fingers. Walk him and let somebody else beat you. That kind of thing. He's just. I've often he's wondered advanced when it, the mental, the mechanical, mm-hmm. all of those things that come with, with being a really good switch hitter. It's he's almost second to none. Yeah, I've I've often wondered what uh, what switch hitters see when they go up to the plate. Like, do they see different things when they go up left-handed compared to going up right-handed? Yeah, I always thought you know? when I was playing, what it would look like to never see a lefty breaking ball. 
So I always, I always had real issues with keeping my front side in. And I was always thinking about when I was a righty, when I was facing a right-handed pitcher, I would always, as soon as I stepped in the box, I would dig, I would do my little thing that I had to do. And the first thing, instead of looking at the pitcher, I would look at left center field. I would pick something on the outfield wall in left center, and I tried to hit that. I wanted the ball to go at that spot. What that did was get my direction going in the right way. Well, when I faced a lefty, it's a little harder to let the breaking ball travel. I would have to move in the batter's box. I would have to, you know, make my point of contact different. And mm -hmm. I always wondered if I could been good enough mentally, physically, mechanically to just go, okay, I've eliminated that. Now I'm going to flip it around the other way, you know, and it's, it's either driving with both hands. Can you drive with both hands in your car? I can't. No. Think, yeah, about, well, try, think I mean, about trying yeah, to I, hit that I, way. Yeah, I can. Can you flip around? Because everybody's got a dominant hand. I can do that. Think I about can. flipping around. Your, if you're right-handed, that would mean your left hand's doing all the driving. You flip it around the other way, your right hand's doing all the driving. And uh, it sounds simple, but it's a, it's a thing that, right, it's direction of your barrel and where you're making contact and the extension of all those things and it's it's an interesting thing, and most humans can't do it, and that's why he's he's an elite player because he can do it. Well, we don't have Jose Ramirez to hit second for the Blue Jays right now. We do have Vladdy, and uh, in 11 games since the, the lineup move, Vladdy's hitting 298. His OPS is 829. He's got 23 total bases, uh, four strikeouts, three walks, two homers, three doubles. He's 14 for 47. Again, 298. This is a guy who's hitting 323 uh, out of the third spot. Are you seeing, because we talked about, you know, Bo seems to have taken to the, the cleanup spot. Uh, Springer, we're seeing why George Springer's the leadoff hitter and was brought in here. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed anything about Vladdy in the number two hole? I think pitchers are trying to get him out different ways, trying to figure out how they can get him out. Does he have a weakness? One series, it's down and away. But why this would that be different here, in the number two spot than in, in, than in number it's the not. third spot? I, that's why I think I don't think it matters where he hits. Okay. I, yeah, it may. I haven't had a conversation with him. I'll, I'll try and do that. I, I try and have conversations with people that are around him every single day. And, and has he had a conversation with somebody that says, you know, I'm trying too hard hitting behind a guy that's, doing what George Springer's doing in the leadoff spot, which I don't think he's doing that. I think he's a good enough player that understands mechanically who he is, what he's trying to do to to each kind of pitcher that's trying to get him out. I just think the league's really good at, at making adjustments to chess match, right? And you have to make adjustments to how every series is different. Like I said, it was the last series for me, it was down and away. This series, if you've noticed, it's up and in, soft way. So they're trying to get him out different ways, and every hitter can't cover the entire part of the strike zone. He's 22. He thinks he can, but he can't. So now he's trying to learn on the fly how to not swing at that. I'm going to take that even though I fall behind an account. And when he throws where I think that I can get my arms extended, stay in the big part of the field and do Vladdy things. That's the graduation graduation part of it is those kind of things. And the ballpark, quite frankly, we have seen him hit balls last night. He had a ball to center. He didn't hit that. He got a little extended. He was a little handsy with that, but he did create some backspin. It didn't go, I think, where he wanted it. He thought it was supposed to go, and that may be a little bit of, right, I'm not going to swing at those kind of pitches. I'm going to let the ball travel. I'm going to try and pull the ball more. All of the things that add up to, he's 22. 
He's trying to figure out all of these things on the fly, and the pitching that he's facing is really good. Brad Lidge and Ben Wagner will join us in the next hour. We will take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, get you set for the rest of the night in Major League Baseball as well. It's Baseball Central in the home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 590, the fan. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Barker, what are we going to do when the Olympics are over? There won't be anything on to watch while we're... We'll go back two to three. <laughs> yeah. No? I don't know. The Blue Jays have won seven of their last nine games, 12 of their last 19. They are 23 and 14. Over the last 37. Why are you saying that, Jeff? Well, it's because the 622 winning percentage over that stretch, which is since June 19th, is the best in the American League after last night's win. They're 7 over 500 for the first time since uh, going 13 and 6 on April 20th, 2018. They've not been further above. Uh, this surprises me. They've not been further above. 500 since the conclusion of the 2016 season when they were 16 games over. What's that tell you? Well, they're on a roll. It also tells you they played some badass teams in Kansas City and Cleveland. It also tells you that there may be something to home field. Um, hmm. Get you caught up on what has happened today, what will happen. The Boston Red Sox were beaten 8-1 by the Detroit Tigers. Detroit is one of those boys in here. They're in here on the 20th of August for three games. Uh, the Detroit Tigers beating Boston 8-1. to Tampa Bay plays in Baltimore tonight. The Yankees start a series against Seattle. As Ooh. we sit here right now, the uh, Jays are seven back of first place. Six, the Yankees are six back. Boston's a game and a half back. Boston's two and a half, two and a half up on the wild card. The Yankees are two back. Jays are three back. The Yankees announced today that Gary Sanchez uh, has tested positive for COVID. The Yankees also said today that they think there may be more to the fact that this is happening after they're in Florida, where the numbers are going off the charts again right now, uh, it, that it may be more than a coincidence that this is happening after their trip to Florida. If you want to know when the Jays go back to Florida, September 20th, 21st, 22nd is the next trip into Tampa to play uh to play the race. Now look, we you know, we talked about the the um the issues with breakthrough COVID-19 and the fact that as we said, you get vaccinated doesn't mean you're not going to get it, just means you're not going to get sick with it. And Major League Baseball's COVID IL, you go on it whether you're sick or not. You test positive, you're on the COVID IL. This is going to be uh, you're beginning to see now why so many teams, why so many general managers whose teams haven't hit the 85% threshold are so pissed off. Jed Hoyer of the Cubs, now his mm-hmm. team's out of it anyhow, and they've backed up the truck and moved guys out. The Phillies have got issues with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and the Yankees. And it's not just in the case of the Yankees. Yeah, it's been vaccinated players that have, that have 
mm-hmm. been testing positive for COVID-19. But it's just, it really is a reflection of, of um, like you really, you really got to have your crap together in August and September this year. Yeah. Because I got a really, I got a real bad feeling that, that, COVID is going to have some sort of an impact on the playoff Test race. your depth, your organization won it. Yeah, it yes. yeah, it, it is. It's, it can't be easy for the players either. They, they got to worry about performing at the highest level, and a lot of the teams that you just mentioned are making pushes for the playoffs, and you're, you're missing people like Garrett Cole and Gary Sanchez who made, you know, Gary Sanchez made some uh, dramatic changes at the plate mm-hmm. with, his, with his approach and mechanics and all those things, and he's starting to hit the ball halfway decent anyway, so... It's it's a you know it's a shame that they have to go through this and try and worry about you know what they're doing off the field what they what they can't do and where where they can go and all by the way you got to go and and throw nine shutout innings and you got to go and hit two home runs it's, it's a lot to ask it's it just goes to show you that you know these teams are doing the best they can and these 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 players are really good mm-hmm. like they are really good the things that they've been through the numbers that they're putting up and. Even the Blue Jays, look at what they went through. Like, you know, they've missed some guys, that, that some key guys at some times because of COVID and where they played their home games. And it's well, just listen, a lot I, to ask. I, I think that, you know, one of, the, one of the real stories out of this is the fact that this team, this team played in a minor league facility in Florida after spending spring training in Florida. And, you know, they... For the most part, they had Steven Matz was on the COVID IL. It was Teoscar. He was. I believe Teoscar was. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was was uh, was sick after his vaccination, but he was fine. He, do you remember they took him out of the game? And, and I yeah. think Ryan Barucki was another guy, but they were, they, they were fine. But it's kind of interesting because they've handled it okay. Tampa Bay has handled it okay. Yeah. Florida, the Marlins have handled it okay. And, and and it makes me think that maybe the whole thing is the fact that when you're at home, you're less likely, you're less likely to go out for dinner. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're less likely to have that sort of accidental contact that you may get. It's a miracle that the Rays haven't went through oh, worse. It's, well, you, no, it isn't. You know why? Because the Rays got, I told you, the Rays got COVID-19 figured out. Yeah. They had it figured out five months ago. They just haven't let anybody know. About it. uh, that's a great point. But they got it figured out. They do. They got it figured out. Their analytics department crunched some numbers. They know, go to this restaurant at this time, you're okay. Don't go to this restaurant at this time. If you're driving to the ballpark, don't go down this road at this time. Don't park over here. They got it figured out. Yeah, they, they do. They got little dudes in, in, they got in khakis and calculators People running around. All and, over the place. And COVID meters or whatever, running around different places testing it. They got it all figured yeah. out. Yeah. As I said, they probably have the cure for the damn thing. They do. I haven't told anybody. They've got a cure for the next pandemic that we don't even know about. You know that the Rays are uh, already working on it. They got their best folks on it. Uh, the other teams around the Blue Jays in the wild card race, the Mariners are already set, or the Yankees, Oakland, they're holding down the wild card spot right now. They are in Texas to take on the Rangers and uh, the Red Sox, you mentioned coming in town tomorrow for the first of four games. They are three and seven in their last 10. They've stopped hitting all of a sudden, which was really weird. They're going to get Chris sale back. Not for this, not for this series, but it's like, they just, they stopped hitting. Yeah. A little bit of that too, is Alexander Bogart's got hurt with the wrist thing. That's a big thing to go through. You can tell he's frustrated when he's at bat and he takes some awkward swings that he mm-hmm. normally don't see him take JD Martinez. 
is going through a little bit of hiccup. Could be age. Could be numerous things, right? It's a marathon, could not be a August, sprint. Man. Could be yeah, August. People, yeah, people go through certain things, and yeah, sometimes the slump's contagious. You see yeah. one guy slump when you want to pick up the slack. You try too hard. You grip it too hard. You start expanding. Then you start going through a slump, and that's sort of a little bit of a trickle down effect. Yeah, they got a good team that. They've gotten a you know off to a good enough start that they can go They've covered through a themselves. little bit of something yep. like this and still be okay down the stretch. Blue Jays are gonna have to play good. They're gonna yeah. have to pitch well. They're gonna have to be really good with two strikes with, with the pitching staff. We saw that against that team. You know, they hang some breaking balls and didn't get back. Mm-hmm. Play well, get some timely hits. Don't beat yourself. They'll be all right. We're gonna take a little deeper look at the Blue Jays bullpen in the next hour. How concerned should we be about Jordan Romano? Brad Lidge is a former MLB pitcher. He's co-host of Inside Pitch and Sirius XM. This dude saved a lot of games in his career. We'll talk to him about being a closer in the heat of a pennant race in the heat of the summer. Brad Lidge is next. This is Baseball Central. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Jays in Cleveland will wrap up their four-game series tonight at the Rogers Center. First pitch is in a little more than an hour right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan Ben Wagner will have the call as the Jays uh, take on Cleveland. Ross Stripling on the mound for the Blue Jays. Tristan McKenzie on the mound for Cleveland. And then, folks, it's a four-game series between the Boston Red Sox and the Blue Jays starting tomorrow. That includes a doubleheader on Saturday, there are tickets available for the second game of that doubleheader, I do believe. You can check the Blue Jays' uh, website uh, for further details. The Jays coming off an 8-6 win over Cleveland yesterday. And we talked about this at the break. It was a game where they got an early lead and extended that lead. Then they brought Jordan Romano in. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. Gave up a, gave up a home run. We're, we're still trying to figure out how it was hit. Yep. You know, 100 miles an hour outside of the strike zone pulled. Yep. You know, thanks. <laughs> Talk about tipping your cap. Yep. But um, uh, Jordan Romano, I, I would think if you asked Blue Jays fans their level of confidence in Jordan Romano, I think it wavers because there are times where he looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times where... Again, yesterday, throwing hard. It wasn't that necessarily his location was terrible, right? It was it was just off a bit, mm-hmm. but it gave up a lot of lot of contact. It's, it's odd that when he does miss location, it gets hammered. Yeah, exactly. He, he can't miss, and then oh, I just missed that, but he swung through it. That that rarely happens. Anyhow, uh, the Blue Jays have really overhauled their bullpen. You all know that there may be some changes in roles at some point coming down the road. Who knows? But we wondered what it was like to be in a to be a closer and to be in a bullpen that has gone well essentially when you look at the Blue Jays other than Jordan Romano everybody in there I mean basically a new bunch of guys now with the exception of Rafael Dolis. Mm-hmm. Our next guest had 225 career saves. Uh he got a World Series ring. He is 
co-host of Inside Pitch on Sirius XM's Brad Lidge. Brad, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and myself. We we trust that you're doing well. I just, I, I don't know if you've been yeah. in in this this situation Romano's in, but where you literally are the only guy in the bullpen. I mean, you look around every day. Here comes another arm. Here comes another arm. Here comes another. Arm. Here comes yeah. two more new arms. And then all of a sudden, you look up one day and you go, "Geez, I'm the only guy here." Does that create any sort yeah. of, uh, or I'm, I'm the only guy still here? Does that create any sort of uncertainty for for a guy? Um, it, you know, it definitely can. I, I would say, you know, I was I was pretty fortunate to be on some some really good bullpens a couple years in Houston, certainly a couple years in Philly. And the years where we had a lot of shuffling of the deck, so to speak, in those bullpens uh, typically were not the best seasons for us. And, you know, as you guys know, the bullpen can be, um, if it's not consistent, if you don't have, you know, guys at the beginning of the season having years where they kind of stay somewhat intact in their roles and everyone's kind of moving back and forth and you get new guys coming in and out, it can be super detrimental to a team. Obviously, that's normally a sign that says the bullpen's not doing great. And if the bullpen isn't doing great, the team typically is not either. Now, the Blue Jays have been able to, to weather the storm because they have the great offense, because the starting pitching has, you know, quite frankly, been great. Mm-hmm. And obviously the addition of Brios is going to make them even better. Um, but really with the addition of Brad Hand and even Joaquin Soria to a certain extent, the Jays just need some, some kind of unifying factor out there in that bullpen. And I still like Romano. I mean, he's got great stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, he's got to go out there and pitch, but I like him probably more as a setup guy. I like Brad hand being, you know, the closer for sure. And I know that, you know, there's been talk of them kind of figuring out the best way to handle that. But I think the bullpen will be at its best. If Brad hand can get out there, establish himself as a closer, he's got plenty of experience the last couple of years. He's been great the last couple of years, kind of a sneaky top five closer in baseball, to be totally honest, over the last three years or so, four years. So I think he needs to establish that he's that guy. You got Romano setting up for him, Joaquin Soria with all his uh, postseason experience and big game experience. I think the the pieces are there, but they've got to start kicking that into gear and and, and really letting those guys know, hey, listen, this is the role you're going to be in. Let's, Let's run with this so you can get some kind of consistency night in and night out from at least the guys knowing mentally where they're going to be because that really lets you get into a solid routine. And the one thing I've seen from Romano this year is that he doesn't look like he's kind of having the same stuff night in and night out. Like mm-hmm. some nights the stuff's yep. a little better, some nights it's not. Some nights the command is there, some nights it's not. I think that's because of all the things you mentioned, kind of bouncing around, having different guys in and out, having different roles here and there. Just get him into a solid role where he knows what to expect from himself every single night then he gets into routine. Then you see the stuff repeat night in and night out. That's what they got to have out there. Brad, do you, do you have to learn how to pitch in August and September in a playoff push? You need to learn to know that you're going to be pitching in a lot of games. You, you need to learn how to get right. yourself, you know, mentally ready for that. Because, I mean, you know, look, the, the Jays have a good staff, as we've seen. But if you're playing in a lot of games in August, September, and you have a good team, that means you're playing, you know, playoff type baseball. And that means you're winning a lot of games, five, three, six, three, you know, four to two. That means that the, the guys that they're going to rely upon the setup guys and closers. Yeah. They've got to be ready to pitch in a lot of games more than anything else. So you have to learn to be able to do that. Yes. But you know, there's not really a, a time where you can learn that you just have to learn it in the moment. And really the easiest way to learn it, the easiest way to get consistent again, I believe, 
is to have assigned roles and to get those guys into the, the spots that they know they're going to be pitching in. And then if the role, you know, if, if it's not a game where they, they need to be in there, if the Jays are down by two runs, Romano doesn't need to throw. If they're down by one run, he doesn't need to throw. You know, if it's a tie game at home, fine, he pitches. If it's a tie game on the road, you know, use Soria, whatever. But you want to make sure these guys understand where they're going to be because they are going to be pitching in more games than they ever have or more games than they ever thought they could. Now, every reliever is able to do that, and you get an extra measure of adrenaline for sure in August and September. But, you know, there's no, there's no way to kind of try this thing out. You just have to go in there, and you've got to be ready to do it. You know, it seems to me that all the really good bullpens that I was around when I was covering baseball or that you see now, they, in addition to having clearly defined roles, there, there almost seems to be a hierarchy. You know, like when B.J. Ryan is here, B.J. Yeah. Ryan ran the bullpen. I, you know, when Roberto Osuna was here, they had those guys. They brought Latroy Hawkins in, and very quickly, Latroy Hawkins was kind of the guy that sort of ran the bullpen. Does that, does that have to happen organically? You know, especially in this case, when you've got a team that's brought in a bunch of bunch of different relievers, will guys just sort of naturally find their sort of pecking order in addition to how they're being used, their, their sort of pecking order in the, the, the culture of the bullpen? I mean, without question, that like it just happens. And it's not something you have to force. It kind of just takes place over a period of time. Now, a lot of times, you know, guys have been together for a couple of years, and so it's easy to kind of know where you're at. You know, we always we always had like when I was in Houston, for example, you know, I was the closer. So, it, you know, the, the, the bullpen is labeled as the closers. But really, you know, we had a veteran guy, Russ Springer, who was out there and he was kind of the one that oversaw stuff and kind of reminded people, hey, you better make sure you get ready in this inning or whatever. Then you have your young, you know, stud setup guy and then he's kind of a wild card, you know, personality wise. And then you got your guy that's the enforcer. You know, if somebody on the other team needs to get some chin music, he's the guy that's coming in and everybody has a level of respect for him for that. So everyone has these different roles, but they also have these different personalities. And when a bullpen, when everyone kind of accepts those things, they kind of gel together. And that's when you see great bullpens. The Jays haven't really had time to establish that. They're not going to have time to establish that. So they've got to kind of go into it quick. But first and foremost, they've just got to establish when they're going to pitch. Then the personalities take over in those roles. Then you can see some fist pumps from guys and the excitement level starts going up. Then everyone feels good about what they're doing and where they're doing uh, it in the game. So, yes, it, it, it takes time. But, again, it's a luxury the Jays guys don't have. I just hope they get sorted out quickly so they can at least have some layer of comfort of when they're going to be pitching in games. And then look, as that, as that playoff push happens and they start getting in more and more games and they start performing well, then you're going to start to see the fist pumps and everyone's going to feel exciting and excited. And the, you know, then the stuff gets better too. And then you see guys like Romano consistently hit, you know, the, the pitch the, you know, throw the ball where it's supposed to go instead of missing over the plate or whatever. So it's all part of the experience. It just needs to gel quickly for Toronto. I don't see a reason it can't honestly, Brad hands a veteran, uh, you know, Joaquin Sori is a veteran. Like, they can help this thing move along quicker. Okay, for uh, right now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. If you had to pick the the second the team for the second wild card today, who are you picking between yeah. the Yankees, Oakland, Seattle, or the Blue Jays? Hmm. You know, I'm probably, based on what I've seen this year, I think Oakland is the most consistent team in that bunch. Um, I, don't, I don't feel great about taking any one Oops, we dropped uh, Brad Lidge's line. We'll have to regain him. We'll have to get the line back. So he's picking Oakland. Yeah, that's a 
That's I. I, I there's there's a lot of unknowns with the Blue Jays bullpen. Yeah, that's what Brad's trying to say is some guys got to step up. Some guys got to take the bull by the horn, so to speak. And and when he when they get the ball, whatever guy that is, highest leverage, eighth and ninth inning. That's Romano. That's Brad Hand. That's whoever else you want to give mm-hmm. the ball to has to get it done. And there you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring bring Brad back in. Brad, thanks for your patience. Uh, yeah. You you were talking about no Parker. Parker put you on the spot. Yeah, I did a little bit, and uh, yeah. for which I'm going to apologize. Yeah. But okay you had a good that. answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I, I think that you know the, the the margin for any one of these teams. If you look at the Yankees, first of all, I don't think Seattle's going to get there. That's just my opinion. I just don't think they have the horses. But if you're looking between Oakland, the Yanks, and the Jays. I think it's pretty darn even. The Jays are clearly riding some great momentum right now. I think they're going to have a fantastic finish to the season, but I think the Yankees got a shot in the arm. The A's got a shot in the arm, and the A's have traditionally played great. Bob Melvin does an amazing job with these guys down the stretch. So if I had to give an edge to anyone, I'm going to say Oakland, but I don't feel great about labeling any one of these three teams as the one that's going to get it. Um, But I, I do think just based on history, Oakland is probably the favorite you know, obviously they're up a little bit right now too, which doesn't hurt. But I think just based on what they've been able to accomplish in the past couple of years in September, you got to lean their way. Brad, uh, you know, we've seen in the case of the Blue Jays, them, them acquire a guy in Adam Simber who, who, who basically kind of throws like one pitch, one speed, and he throws it from a funky angle and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we know guys can't hit it. He hasn't given up any home runs, et cetera, et cetera. How does that work in an age of velocity that a guy like that can come in and not overmatch guys, but essentially just induce really soft uh, and inconsistent contact? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, it, it is kind of a funky slot. And, and what happens is, you know, hitters in the major leagues are so used to being, you know, they're, they're machines. You know, if it's overhand, and it's between 90 and 95, they're going to belt it. If it's above 95, it's a little bit trickier. If it's below the radar and it's at a different angle, it's going to get a little bit trickier. And, you know, it's not to say, you know, somebody like that could go out there and throw six, seven innings like a starter with that, you know, kind of angle and, and speed and get away with it. But if you're just going in there every couple of days, uh, you know, and, and, and you're facing guys one time through or whatever, it typically ends up working out pretty well because it's, it's just off of their radar of what they – of the repetition that, that, that major league hitters practice every single day. And we've seen a lot of guys, I mean, you know, the, the Rogers brothers, Sam Fran and, and Minnesota for a while, the, the, you know, those guys are, are, you know, sidearm or let, you know, whatever they're doing. I mean, it's nasty to, for, for hitters to try and hit because it's so unorthodox. You know, if you, if everyone in the major leagues threw sidearm or from, you know, from down, down under whatever, then all of a sudden hitters would train for that. And then you got the guy overhand that nobody could hit. So, it's just a matter of, of getting guys off of, of what they typically see. Plus the movement, the sinking action gets a ton of ground balls. And, uh, you know, I will also say having one of those guys in the bullpen to get double play balls, just induce weak contact. It's really, really important because when, when the bases get jammed, you, you know, the other team, typically you, you, the hitter tends to get a little bit, you know, a little bit over his skis. He wants to deliver the long ball. He wants to hit the three run home run. And his swing is a little bit bigger, so if you get a little bit more sink or a little bit of something off, you typically do induce weaker ground, uh, weaker contact to get those ground balls. So those guys are really important to have in the pen. Brad, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, you bet, guys. Have a good one. You too. You too. Thanks this a lot, Brad Lidge. He's co-host of Inside Pitch and Sirius XM. Got to see him win a World Series. Yeah, as a uh, closer, he was a good closer. Yeah, I could just remember the ball that Albert Pujols hit off him in 
when when uh, Minute Maid, I think yeah. it was when he when he gave up the the homer. Yeah. It's then he came back with the Phillies, and they and that was a that was the uh, that was the World Series where and and I, and I remember that was the World Series where they had games snowed out. It was just it was a horrible. It was a horrible World Series to cover because of the weather. I'm just looking at. Uh, I'm going to call up Brad Lidge's, uh, Brad Lidge's page, but it was Philadelphia and Tampa, and it it, it was just like it was an endless. Yeah, it's I think we're in Philadelphia for about a week. It's interesting is, uh, to get to hear him talk about down the stretch playoff pushes. Yeah. every pitch matters. Routines. You know, you get right back on the horse if you give it up. You know, it's Jordan Armada. We saw him give up a couple of home runs. Will he get gun shy with his heater? You know, he threw a good heater, 100 miles an hour. You think guys swinging through that with two strikes? Sorry, it was the yeah, it was the uh, it was the Yankees that uh, that uh, they beat in the National League, and um, yeah, I'm sorry in the uh, in the World Series when he was with when he was with the Phillies, and uh, he just uh, he had one one game. Finished one game. Ninth inning is just a different animal. It's it's the hard for me. It's the hardest three outs to get in the game. Mm-hmm. And you got to have that guy that's been there and done it before. It's the it's the when you think about Jordan Romano, we're not trying to say he's not a good pitcher, but when he doesn't have one of his pitches, say he shows up, he doesn't have his slider. Can he mm-hmm. get through three outs in the ninth inning with just a heater? Well, I'm gonna. You know what? That's the thing. Uh, five ninety five ninety is a text line. We have a a texter on. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't give us his uh, didn't give us his name. Um, but uh, making the point that other people have talked about that it seems as if it seems as if uh, Jordan Romano runs into trouble when he's not you know it's not a traditional save situation, which we've which we've seen from guy. There have been guys who are who are like that. Guys yeah. probably need the juice of 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 the save. Well I know he's tried to calm it down too. Maybe he's not that guy. Maybe he's not the guy that that doesn't need to run out of the out of mm-hmm. the bullpen. You know, he's got a little slight jog now. Ruben and Alberta, sorry. Re, yeah. It's it's a it's a great question. All things that that go with just being the guy in the ninth inning. When you get the ball, it is I got great stuff. I'm gonna locate it. I'm gonna expand with my sliders. Nothing you can do about it. And He's just, for me, trying to work through it. It's the big squad. He's eliminated that because it was hard to do that. It was tiresome. You could hear in unison the squat thing from the fans, which, you know, distracted him a little bit from that. Now he's trying to change yeah, I, his I, routine of what he's doing, running out of the bullpen and all these things. It just seems like a lot. Doesn't it seem well, like a lot? I, I, was, I, was about to say lot. That, I was about to say that I, I assume that the reason he changed – what he was doing was that that he had reasons for doing it. He did, but that's a pretty dramatic change. It is. It's a big change in that's season. In season, you know that I can Playoff see doing push. that. I can see doing that in. You really want your guy doing you know, that? Spring but, training or, or or not or the off season? Well, they, you know, what I mean, you know, it'd be great to get on Ken Giles and say, Ken, did you ever? Because you know, Giles was the guy that did that. that. Would you do that in the middle of the year? Make such a dramatic. Change. Now he is throwing harder. He's throwing he's harder, and he's consistently throwing harder. And it is from the bell. You know, it, it's that thing we, we used to see. He would come in, the first couple pitches could be 94, 95. Now it's 98, 99, 100. So he is getting right to it, and he is maintaining that. But 
it's just it seems like a lot, right? He's made mm-hmm. so many adjustments between not pitching. It was like he was bored down there. I'm changing this. When I was in the game, I was hearing a lot of that. I don't want to hear that. It's a distraction. It's you know, it's just a lot when you're when you're counting on a guy down the stretch to don't think about it. You got good stuff. Use it, locate it, expand with it, dominate with it. Can he do all that? Mm-hmm. And if you hand the ball to Brad Hand, what you seen from him, it's 91-92. He's left-handed. Mike and Acton, by the way, saying, Jeff, you were right originally. Don't second-guess yourself. It was against Tampa Bay in 2008 that Brad Lidge won there his you go. series. Don't, don't ever second-guess yourself. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it's, That's why Brad – for me, listening to Brad pick Oakland, the reason why he didn't pick the Blue Jays with the lineup – and their starting rotation that they're having now, mm-hmm. giving you some quality starts back to back to back, give them a chance. It's just when yeah. you when you get the ball from the seventh inning on, who do you have faith in? Can you can you rely on Adam Simber? I mean, I well, I put it put it this way: who is going to do the least? Who who do I have confidence in and saying we're putting this guy in and there's going to be limited damage? He would be the guy. That's a lot to ask. A guy that throws 88 from a weird angle. Yes, it, it is. really is. Uh, we should also mention, it, it was interesting hearing Brad Lidge talk about Brad Hand. Because I've heard, and I was listening to MLB Network, and I've heard other, and, and this kind of tells you about guys' reputations. I've heard other people make the same point. That they think that Brad Hand, at some point, will 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 fit into that role. Like, nothing that I've seen here suggests that he's capable of doing that. Yeah. Granted, it's just a couple of games. Uh, you know, his, the, the peripherals aren't, aren't, aren't great. We talked about how <clears throat> the Blue Jays were hoping that they could limit his exposure a little bit. Mm-hmm. And may, you know, maybe we're going to see almost a tandem closing situation. Can you do that? I don't know. That's- and then, and I, got, I, and I keep getting back to this. <laughs> if Nate Pearson shows up here, mm. like... If they're this, I just don't know how you. I don't know how you're going to use them because to yeah, me right now, question. to me right now, uh, if my start, see. you can't see. If my starter gives yeah. me six innings, last night's game, my starter gives me six innings. I'm thinking, Richards or or, or Simber are going to be are, well, are going to be it my guy. Nate Pearson and not Taylor Saucedo. That that would have been the difference. But you mentioned something a little earlier, and I think this dude is the wild card in the whole thing. And, and I know we talk about him, and I've had people say, why do you guys keep bringing up Ryan Brucky's name? To me, he could be kind of the wild card in this whole thing. Maybe, but could you, do you feel confident giving him the ball in the, in the ninth inning, the meat of the order, the other team on the road? I, let me put it to you this way. I don't know. If he did it for me once, I would give him a second chance. You yeah, understand we, what we, I'm we, saying? We, like, we, I would, I would love, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I'd love to see that. And then maybe it wouldn't work out, and then it's fine. But I would love. There's, there's, I just, I think there's something. It'll there. be interesting to see the taste in the mouth of the Brad Hand thing. It didn't get off to a good start. We saw it. Will Pete Walker, Charlie Montoyo see it and be ha- confident enough to go? It's just, it is what it is. We're going to erase that. But when push comes to shove, we're giving it all. That'll be the thing. 7.07 is the first pitch tonight. The Jays will wrap up their four-game series with Cleveland. Ben Wagner is the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He'll join us later on in the show, and when we come back, we may go, to the, we may go back to the text line.
I'll see. Because I think there was some dispute yesterday as to whether or not I may have been too cocky with the text line. 590-590 is a text line if you're going to the game, you're driving to the game, walking to the game, or just sitting by the cottage, sitting sitting by the water, having a having a beer, a cigar, whatever. Text us at 590-590. Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Do not settle. Demand. Demand. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. The lineup, having a Cody Dickerson in the lineup and, and switching guys around and having more left-handers in the lineup, that should help win the matchups from the other teams. So Corey Dickerson is a big addition when it comes to that. And, of course, Valera and Maguire and all those guys mixing the, the lefties and Biggio when he comes back. Well, that's Charlie Montoyo, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, talking a little bit before the game about uh, his teams. I, I guess giving them a little more of a chance late in the game. Um, and, and I think Charlie's thinking is, you know, maybe um, because they're a little less right-handed dominant, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to have an Im- it's going to have an impact on the decisions the other managers. I mean, I you know, I got with all due respect, I got to tell you, I mean, is Kevin Biggio, Reese McGuire, are those guys that are going to make a Ray manager? Valera. Are they guys that are going to make a manager say, "I got to get the left in right away"? There. No, Corey Dickerson will though. Corey Dickerson will. He's got, he's got a big enough swing to scare you. He's got a yep. he's got an idea at the plate. You can see that. He's got a good approach. He and hey, a fastball count. He can I'm, swing at strikes. He'd be all right. This may say more about the quality of catchers hitting in Major League Baseball than anything else. Reese McGuire hit his 13th double last night. Yeah. That's fourth among American League catchers. Yeah. Reese McGuire's hitting like in the upper 290s. He's that, but Reese McGuire gives me enough behind. He yeah, gives yeah. me enough out of that position. And, and, who, and a couple and, of times, and, big innings, what's he him, done? He's turned the lineup over. Give him a over. lot of credit. He's made an adjustment. He's very, he's very aggressive. He's shortened that leg kick a little bit. His stride's not as long. When he raises his foot, he picks it up. He sets it straight down. It's not a extended stride, which he's that'll eliminate a little bit of a, of a handsy kind of swing. You got to remember too, who's hitting on on the on, on deck circle. You're going to get some good pitches to hit. You're probably going to get a fastball and a fastball mm-hmm. count. They're not going to try and walk you. They're not going to pitch around you. They're going to be very aggressive. But to his credit, he's staying in the big part of the field. He's not trying to do too much. So all you got to do in the nine hole, you you just give yourself a chance, and that's basically what he's doing. Look around you when you're standing at the plate. You know, you read the scoreboard a little bit. You look who's standing on the on deck circle. You look who's facing you. All of those things will add up to, Whoa. yeah, oh boy, Whoa. must be exciting. No, I was trying to, well, I was just about to call up the Blue Jays lineup and give it to you, and I, I guess nice. I tapped on the wrong thing, and I got a sizzle, mm. sizzle reel of Vladdy hitting a sizzle reel saying that it's a big series tomorrow night, uh, mm. starting tomorrow night. Anyhow, the Jays lineup for tonight, Springer leading off at center, Guerrero's at first, Semyon's at second, Bichette's at short. You mentioned Corey Dickerson uh, is the designated hitter. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in left, Randall Grichik's in right. Santiago Espinal is back at third base. Reese McGuire again behind the plate. Ross Stripling on the mound. 
Teoscar Hernandez gets the night off. 7.07 is the first pitch. Ben Wagner will have it for you right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ben joins us next from the broadcast booth. This is Baseball Central. On the home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Send us all your money. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll send you a free subscription for Sportsnet 590, The Fan, on demand, absolutely free. All right, well, a little bit of tough news for the baseball family in the past couple of days. Uh... Our uh, friend Jerry Remy uh, announced a couple of days ago, I guess yesterday, that he's stepping away from the Nesson broadcast for the time being to undergo lung cancer treatment. Uh, we certainly wish uh, we Jerry did. the best. And uh, this just a couple of minutes ago, um, I don't know how many, I don't know if we've ever had Ray Fossey on. I, we may have had him on uh, once or twice. Uh, whenever Oakland comes to town, Having the opportunity to pick uh, Ray Fossey's brain is one of the it's one of the true joys of being a uh, a beat writer or any mm-hmm. writer. He's a lovely man, um, and uh, just I mean, if you've ever heard him call a game, um, you, you uh, well, he's let, let's just he's a he's a he's a very special person to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and um, he announced today. Uh, Well, I'll just read a a statement. Along with my wife of 51 years, Carol, today we share that I've been silently battling cancer for the past 16 years. Given my current medical condition, I'm taking a step away from the A's and NBC Sports California, effective immediately to focus on my treatment and to be with my family during this time. So uh, our thoughts with both Jerry Remy and Ray Fossey, and I'm sure I, I can echo uh, or I'm sure our next guest, Ben Wagner, would echo those sentiments. Ben Wagner joining us from the Rogers Center broadcast booth where he'll have a call tonight's game. And Ben, look, there's a fraternity of, 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 of broadcasters. Anytime guys come into town, guys usually pick each other's brains to come up with, you know, just for, for ideas and news and all that. As I said, um, I had several chances to talk to Ray and um, just a lovely man. And we really do wish him all the best. Uh, Ray Fossey's one of the best guys. Um, yeah, that's difficult news to hear and, and learn in the last couple of hours. And it, you guys know as much as I do, and maybe the general fan doesn't realize just how important the relationships are and the three or four days that you get to be in their city or they come to your city, it's like a reunion, right? I mean, you yeah. look forward to these personalities coming back into your life. And Ray Fossey is one of the kinder souls that you're going to run across in the game, let alone just talk baseball, right? And there are people in certain circles where you walk into their building, you realize that they're special, and people enjoy being around them. And that happens every step along the way in Oakland. And obviously, Jerry Remy's a larger-than-life personality mm-hmm. in New England. So uh, to have his absence on the broadcast, which this has happened before, and we know what the fan reaction was, when he came back to the broadcast booth, and I hope that that chance happens for him again. Um, yeah, it's really well said, Ben. Uh, and again, we do pass on our, our best wishes to uh, to both Jerry and to Ray and their families and uh, their many friends and many many listeners uh, throughout Major League 
throughout Major League Baseball. Um, bringing the focus back to this series, this particular game, I wish I'd written this down just before uh, this down just before we got you on. Blue Jay Central had a, had a stat with, about the Jays ERA. 4.95, eighth and ninth inning, third highest in the American League. Bingo. There you go. That is what I was getting to. Now, I think a lot of people, Ben, will say, well, yeah, think back to the bad old days, to the, you know, to the Anthony, Cast- Anthony Castros and, and uh, you know, I mean, all the, those guys that the Jays ran through. And then you see what happened last night. Is this still a, an area of concern for you? Um, not necessarily... Not to lay it all on Jordan Romano's doorstep, but the late-inning pitching, is that a concern for you? Well, I look at it two ways. If you watch last night's ball game, it's 8 nothing. The Blue Jays should have had this baby sewn up. I thought it was a perfect spot to bring a young guy in with a big lead in Taylor Saucedo, who didn't get hit all that hard, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And the double that came off the bat, I think it was of Miller, went off the barrel at 65 miles an hour, just floats up the left field line. There was a lot of bad luck last night for Taylor Saucedo. Unfortunately, even balls that got put in play just, you know, didn't go against defenders. So uh, the, the final line looks terrible. The bigger concern is Romano. And over the last couple of months, the amount of adjustments that we've seen from Jordan questions whether the velocity would come back we have seen the velocity come back there's been a change in mechanics slightly there's also been a a change in the whole antics when he's on the Mm -hmm, mound mm -hmm. as well there's a lot going on in a short amount of time for somebody that needs to be as locked in as what the blue jays need him to be locked in and um outside maybe one appearance you know over the last five weeks we just have not seen the dominant jordan romano return and that, that, to me, is the bigger question right now and the bigger need for the Blue Jays. Uh, with a lot of question marks, even though they went out and they brought in five new pitchers, four of them went directly into the bullpen, you lose Joaquin Soria, you're still searching for answers out of this thing. Okay, they're winning by two runs tonight. For me, they got two choices to go to in the ninth inning. That would be Brad Hand and Adam Simber. Who are you going to? Adam Simber. He's the guy that's proven that he can throw the most strikes and be the most effective. Huh. You had two appearances with Brad Hand, uh, and I think that he will eventually get opportunities to pitch in higher leverage situations. Yep, I'm with but you. Right, yeah, but right now, uh, I just don't think that maybe he's as as a finished product as what the Blue Jays need him to be right now. And, and even when he came to, to Toronto, he was coming off of three consecutive outings, had a little bit of layoff, the transition to a new club, and they wanted to get him some sharpening work. Neither of them have gone that smooth. Um, and the extra inning appearance the other day obviously was, you know, the, the most difficult of his appearances to swallow. But, you know, Adam Simber has given you every opportunity uh, to prove that he's ready. And and the eye test tells you everything uh, for Adam Simber to get that situation too. It, it's very strange because I had a couple of conversations over the weekend, one with John Schneider and one with, um, with Charlie Montoya. And they both... They both kind of said the same thing about Simber is when you, you know, the trade is made and you know about him and you look at the video and everything, you go, okay, well, funky arm angle. Okay. Uh, you know, that, we, hey, Tampa Bay Rays have put a, made a habit of riding guys like that. But they said, then when you get him on your team and you put him in a game, 
it is almost bizarre the calming impact it has. You know, John made that point. He, he goes in the game, and it's like you just get this sense. I'm not making too much out of Adam Simber because, you know, again, he, he is what he is, but he doesn't give up home runs for mm-hmm. starters. But John said there's just kind of that it, it's almost – it's not I got this or it's not we got this, but it's that, well, whatever happens, it's not going to be really bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, he's chances are he's not going to give up a long, loud home run, and he just does seem to have that, to exude that sense around the team when he is on the mound. There's definitely the calmness, and you can watch the body language of his teammates. They're, you know, they they do the little bunny hop behind the mound with him. They understand that he's going to keep him on their toes. On their toes, they, he works fast and he throws a mm-hmm. ton of strikes. And the bigger body work here is the longest stretch in Major League Baseball innings wise uh, with this streak that he's got rolling without allowing a home run. So yeah, you don't think that this guy is going to pitch you into trouble whatsoever. Uh, I think it's a very very relaxing feeling knowing that he's going to be your guy late in a ball game. How much do you think uh, pitching at the Rogers Center will help Ross Stripling? We've heard him talk on his Zoom calls a lot about the wind blowing his changeup one way or the other. Can't throw his breaking ball as much. He doesn't have the feel for it because of the wind. Do you think this will help him enough? Because if he's sitting over there last night watching Matt's throw all those breaking balls, the 0 ones, the two-strike ones, you think, you know, Stripling's got a pretty good breaking ball. He should be able to throw that a lot. What do you expect from him tonight? I think he's going to flip it. I think he's going to be much more comfortable the second go-around. Remember, he's the guy that brought this team back to Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. He was starting with all the emotions on Friday night. Pitched a pretty good ball game for the Blue Jays against the Royals. Uh, And I think that Ross Stripling, more than anybody uh, in the rotation recently, will have at least a better mindset when he goes to the mound versus being in Dunedin and being in Buffalo. Those facilities absolutely, hands down, were in the back of the mind. Now, if you're going in there as an opponent and and you are the Philadelphia Phillies or any team that went to Dunedin just one time, the the Los Angeles Angels, for example, and you think, wow, I've only, man, this is going to be a tough place to pitch. Okay, you do it once. What if you're Hinjun Ryu? What if you're uh, Steven Matz, Robbie Ray, and you're thinking, looking at the calendar, be like, geez, I have to make six more starts in Dunedin with the wind howling out off the water. Or then we have to go to Buffalo and the wind shifts, right? But it's a different kind of atmosphere. It's a different way of pitching. That's in the back of their mind, and guys have told me that. It's, it's much more of a relief leaving those facilities, getting ready for a start, knowing what you're, what you're up against coming to Rogers Center. And I think Strip is going to benefit, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to thrive at Rogers Center, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, interesting hearing you say that because, you know, watching Steven Matz throw a couple of curves last night, you just – I get the sense from watching Ryu and Matz in particular, Manoa, Manoa not so much, frankly. I mean, that kind of surprised me. And, uh, you know – Rios I hadn't seen I, I'd seen pitch on TV before but not in person man I really got the impression that Matts and Ryu they just looked more comfortable to me Ben they just yeah. looked more comfortable on the mound yeah and that comfortability right with Hinge and Ryu with a better changeup we've seen that changeup improve and uh, Manoa did not have his A stuff. His velocity was down. That slider was not a wipeout pitch for him. I like the way that he was grinding through his entire outing. But you're right. I think that there is just a calming factor with these guys coming back to Rogers Center. I talked with Steven Matz a little bit before the ball game today. I said, how big of a transition is this for you? And he goes, honestly, it's, it's one, being on the mound, 
having the fans absolutely hands down but he also brought up the facilities behind the scenes mm -hmm. and just the amount of space that these guys now have to work in which are more conducive for every major league experience well, there that's is just yeah go ahead no yeah, I, I mean that's that's it right i was going to say that there are still you know there's still some sort of social distancing protocols mm -hmm. in in effect here it's a lot easier to do it at the rogers center than it is in buffalo or dunedin just just because of the size Right. You know, an advantage, actually, if you look at what they were able to do in Buffalo, the social distancing, the spacing, the, the camaraderie of a team in today's circumstances in Buffalo were actually favoring the visiting team mm -hmm. in that massive compound that was out there right. because the Blue Jays were still kind of broken up, definitely broken up last year and all over the ballpark last year, but no fans. Now with fans, the clubhouse was bigger, but again, the space that they could occupy and go about their business and their work within that window of 2 to about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon was completely different, and, and you had to modify it. So this is definitely a better situation. Ben, good stuff, my friend. Thank you for doing this. Look forward to your call tonight. Thanks, Absolutely. Ben. See you guys. Yeah, Have yeah. a good one. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays, 707 first pitch. It'll be uh, Ross Stripling and uh, Tristan McKenzie for the Blue Jays. And then uh, dun, 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 here come the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, this, is a, this is, for me is a big game. Games. It's a big game. Ross Stripling's got to set the tone and let the offense catch up and do their thing. A guy they haven't faced before, right? Which, which way the breaking ball's going, which way the slider's going, how much life the fastball have on it may take them, you know, in at bat to figure those kind of things out. Ross Stripling's got to be commanding and staying out of the middle of the strike zone, with the Red Sox coming in, the teams that you should be beating, they have to start beating. And and this is one of those games for me. They they got to step on the the Cleveland Indians' neck a little bit. You know, take advantage of Ramirez not being in the lineup and do your thing. Yeah. Eliminate it early. Take the guesswork out of it for Charlie Montoyo and come back tomorrow and get it going against the one of the teams in your division that you're matching up against to go to the playoffs. Yeah, quite frankly, the. Quite frankly, Cleveland's done you solid here. That's it. <laughs> they, they really have. They like, have. You know, if I'm Charlie, I'm going over to Marlowe Hale, and I'm saying, hey, appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 590, 590 is the text line. 707 is the first pitch, as we said. Uh, show, do we have any, uh, any, any, any texters? I know we do, but unfortunately, my laptop just... Uh, lost all its juice. So I'll, I'll, I, will, I will trust you to uh, guide us through the text line. Sure, let's get to one here from Patrick from Calgary. And Patrick texts in to ask, Vladdy Jr. is one for his last 10. What can he do to break out of his slump? Well, first of all, one for 10. I, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I hate to use the word slump, but, but, but you're right. It's a game, well, a game and a half. Two games. He's 22. It's a round thing with a round thing. He, he set the bar really high. Right. But we also, look, listen, it's, it's, other people have mentioned that you know, we've talked about, hey, George Springer, boy, his numbers have gone up since he's gone yeah, into yeah. the spot. Hey, Bo, Bo looks like he's he's really profiting there. Vladdy hasn't been bad no. by any stretch of the imagination. But it's actually an interesting question because we just, we threw this out ourselves before the show in what passed for prep for us when um, that didn't quite come out the way I meant it to, but it, well, actually, it did. Yes, yeah, it did. You come nailed out. it. Yeah, because we were. This was the conversation we really was a little, this conversation on live radio. Conversation was a little erratic, erratic today, shall we say? But we did kind of mention, okay, what would? Could you see a time? 
Because I think we all thought the lineup, the Jays' maximum lineup, Springer, this is what I thought. Yeah. Springer, Bichette, Vladdy, Teoscar, Semyon. That's what I thought. That's what I thought we'd see. Mm. I don't know if you go back to that. If you go back I, to that right now, the people I, that really, I talk to, I think they love the the Springer Vladdy back to back. That it just was puts my point. So much pressure on a yeah. a pitcher early in the game. They're back to back at bats. Vladdy's having good at bats. He, he's not chasing as much. They are trying little ways to get him out. Like I mentioned, one mm-hmm. series it's down and away. This series it's up and in, soft away. It's he. They're trying to see if he'll chase, if he'll get himself out early and counts, if he'll lay off a pitcher's pitch. They're they're trying to invent ways to see if he'll get himself out. And and I'm I've also got to say this. I've also got to say this. We saw Charlie give Vladdy a day off on Sunday. I'm gonna throw this out. I'm not making excuses for the guy. But again, keep in mind, 22-year-old kid. Yeah. He's played every game this year but one. It's not physical for me. It would be a mental thing of all the things that go in, prep work to to attack a game. It's the video work. It's looking back at video of how this guy pitched a similar hitter to Vladdy. uh, Sequences what they would swing at, what they wouldn't swing at. Would he elevate a fastball with two strikes? What does he throw with two strikes? How hard does he throw? It's all and of these things what? that go in. It's, he's it's 22 also, and he's... And it's August. It's, and, and it's hot. And, and I, 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 I understand these guys are... In, a lot of expectations, too, on him. Yeah, they're, yeah. you know, they're... Af- I, I get all that. I get all that. And, and it is. It's, you know, players, the, the weather's equal for everybody. All I'm saying is that... If you had said to me at some point that Vladdy might have a little dip in form in August, I'd go, fine. But I'll tell you this. What I have not noticed is a decrease at all in his defense. And I'm going to keep keep hammering this point. Keep in mind, this dude is playing. Yes, I know Charlie's DHing him at times. Keep in mind, he's basically playing first base every day. Every inning, there's a ton of pressure on him. I, I mean, I, I think you really he, he he won an MVP in an All Star game. He's got 34 homers. You really have to be looking RBIs. for nits to pick. He's got an right? OPS of almost 1100. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. Show. Let's squeeze one more in before we fly here. Sure, let's get to one more. Uh, this is a pretty popular topic I've seen on social media and on the text line. So this is from Alex in Stony Creek. Uh, who would you take out of the rotation after they go back to five? Throwing the sixth man in the bullpen could drastically help as well. Uh, that A, that's a, a great point. B, I, I got to wait and see how Springer slash Matt shakes out. I The one thing I will say is Ross, uh, 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 Springer has Ross. Stripling. Stripling. Thank you. God. <laughs> there you go. Too many. St- yeah. Stripling has done it before. And I, and if, if you ask me who is more likely to fit into that mm-hmm. role easier, it would be Stripling. I don't know if you go. Like, so what I'm saying is if I put Stripling in there and I keep Mats in the rotation, I know what I'm getting. If I keep Stripling in the rotation, now what do I do with Mats? When do I use him? What if I can't what? use him? What if he doesn't adapt to it? What if I say I don't care? 
I, I, I want to I want to maximize the best that I got. The best that I got right now is Barrios, Ray, Ryu, and Alec Manoa. I, we don't know if gloves are off. Or there not. you go. You know That's... he missed the twenty two days between starts because of the back thing. He fell. Is it gloves off? If it is, and now you've got save, four guys. Who in cares some about ways, the fifth and sixth in, guys? In some here, ways, here, that, that, that may have saved you. That saved you a couple of starts. They, well, that saved could you help a couple gloves of off now. You go as long as you can yeah. go, as much as you can go, but don't overthink it. Yeah. You got you got three legit guys, maybe a fourth guy in Alec Manoa, the fifth and sixth guy. How many teams yeah, maybe, besides the Dodgers have five or six I, guys? I look down. Maybe I just play the percentages of those there guys go. going down the road. Maybe you piggyback maybe just, them. Maybe you start the lefty against the lefty dominant line, yep. whatever, however you want to use it. But I'm banking on the three big guys plus Manoa and then the fifth and sixth guy. Who cares? Yeah. That's just me. And, and you know, we also mentioned this, that if Pearson comes up, you got to find, you're not going to bring Nate Pearson up here, I don't think, and just pitch him in garbage time. Like There's there's some some things that are, there's some things that are going to need to develop here. To pick the right guy and try and get the right guy in the right situation. But it doesn't hurt. Listen, if, if Springer matches. Score a ton of runs. It, it, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, if Stripling matches, this is going to be all freaking year now oh, it is it is it's just the best part of their team and they have to they don't have a choice they if want to stripling make the matches mats i'll take that i want to see that competition push each other make make it a tough make it a tough decision i, I would rather see barrios great ray great ryu outstanding manoa continue to do he, his thing and then the fifth and sixth guy figure out what you, whatever you want to do whichever way you want to do it and who's your closer who's your setup guy somebody Raise your hand. Want to do it? See, Ben made an interesting point about Hand. I do think that – I don't think that Brad Hand is out of sight, out of mind right How now. How many Blue Jays fans are not going to want to watch the TV when he comes in the game? I'm, yeah. I'm one of them. He throws 91-92. He's left-handed. I know it's been there and done it, and I know he has, and that's why you they brought him here. I get it, but Could you moly. use Simber in the ninth? Like guys, are, guys, are, guys, you're geared up for 199 in the ninth, and here comes 88. He gets lefties out. He gets righties out. He doesn't walk anybody. doesn't give up any homers. Anyhow. To be determined. 707 is the first pitch tonight. The Jays already getting a little bit of help today as uh, the Detroit Tigers took care of the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are in town tomorrow for the first of four. We'll have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff tomorrow to get you set for that. But right now, the Jays in Cleveland wrap up their four-game series, 707. Ben Wagner with a call. Do not go anywhere. Blue Jays talk is on after the game as well. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the baseball.